0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources who remind you, you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 251, in honor of Father's Day, I've invited dad, author, pastor, Joel Fitzpatrick to talk about having life-changing gospel-centered conversations with our boys.
1: The reality is the most masculine male that we have a picture of is Jesus. <laughs> when we look at him, we see the picture of masculinity completely embodied. And when we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see someone who's gentle, who's kind, who cares for the broken, who cares for the brokenhearted, who seeks after the outcast who loves to bring children in. Um, We see this person who sacrifices himself so that other people can live. You see, the reality is, is what we see in Jesus is we see an embodiment of the gospel. And that's how the gospel begins to change our conversations with our kids about what masculinity is.
0: Drop the mic, Joel. In a world where we are struggling to define masculinity and a Gillette commercial can send us all into a tailspin, I love how Joel Fitzpatrick, the author of the new book, Between Us Guys, points our eyes back to Jesus. There's more that he says in this episode. He's encouraging us to take a risk and engage in gospel-centered conversations with our kids, push past the fear, the complacency. We also talk through how to deal with a son who's displaying aggression and violence, how to keep our own emotions in check when we are in a discipline moment. And for you dads, welcome to the show. Uh, he's got some help for you as you process emotions in front of your kids, your boys in particular, and we're making history with this episode. This I think is the first time I've ever interviewed the son of a previous guest. Joel's mom is Elise Fitzpatrick. She has been on the show before. We are linking to her episode. She's written the book, Give Them Grace. And so I'm a big fan of the Fitzpatrick family. But before we get to my chat, let's give a shout out to this month's sponsor, Val Marie Paper, where prayer meets practical. Have y'all gone to their site yet? I hope you have. And checked out their great resources to help you get organized in your prayer life. You know, so often we have ideals of wanting to be prayer warriors for our family and presenting these requests to God. And yet we don't have a tool or a way to do that. Well, Valmarie Paper is solving that problem for you with their Compose Prayer Journals. Go check them out. You can get 10% off if you use the code DONTMOMALONE, all caps. In that journal, you're going to find different sections where you can write out requests based on your community, the world, personal requests, and then every day, just take one or two of them. And there's a place even where you can write down when God has answered those prayers. In light of today's conversation, I always feel like before we even have ongoing chats with our kids, we take all of our heaviness and our heartaches to God first. So check out valmariepaper.com. And use that code, all caps, don't mom alone to get 10% off. All right, let's get to my chat with Joel. Here we go. Hey, Joel, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I am so pumped that you're going to come on here and help us out <laughs> with a tricky conversation, but a good one, a good one, something we need. And as moms, um, maybe a conversation we're going to, force our husbands to listen to. So mm. for all you dads listening, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. <laughs> yeah, right
1: on. Come on, dads.
0: Come on, dads. So Joel, introduce everybody to yourself and your family real quick.
1: Yeah, my name is Joel Fitzpatrick. I am a, a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a father of two. I have a 15 and a half, almost 16 year old daughter and a, a 12 year old son. I have uh, been married to my wife Ruth this coming up weekend on the 27th of May is our 19th anniversary. So we have been married for 19 years. I am an ordinary guy who started out in construction and worked my way through construction until God decided to redirect my life and uh, take me into ministry. So now uh, for my vocation, I'm an ordained uh, minister in the Presbyterian Church in America. Uh, But I also still work as a construction worker. And uh, I'm a dad who tries his hardest to be funny and uh, tries his hardest to be cool, but fails a lot at that second part, but who just loves Jesus and wants my kids to love Jesus too.
0: Well, and this conversation y'all you and I are having is about your new book mm-hmm. um having conversations between dads and sons and the value yeah. of of being available to answer their questions cuz you know yes it's tricky to have gospel conversations with strangers but I think family can be even trickier sometimes to be vulnerable oh, yeah. and open and share what's hard so when did you start realizing the value of this with your son
1: mm. Well, as you can tell, even in the last two minutes of this podcast, I talk a lot. Um, <laughs> so so I've always been somebody who's talked to my son. But usually our conversations were typical dad conversations. You know, hey, bud, how's your day going? Talk to me about what's going on at school with your friends and whatnot. And then my son ran into something that he actually needed, like, real kind of guidance on. Mm -hmm. And I felt so ill-equipped to give him that guidance. Hmm. I felt like, man, I wish somebody had something to help me think through this conversation well, to think through it in light of the gospel. That happened when he was about six or seven. Um, He had run into something difficult at school. And I really wanted to just say to him, like, bud, this is what the gospel says about this situation. But, you know, just being an ordinary dad, it's it's hard to just come up with that stuff on the fly. At which point, you know, all of the trust that I had built with my son from talking to him before became so vital because it gave me the space to start to screw up in my conversations with him because I knew that I was going to be able to circle back again later and later and later. And it just started to flow naturally to the point now where uh, with both of my children this morning, as I was driving them to school, dropping them off at their different schools at different times, um, we were able to have really good conversations on the drive over. That's the sort of power that having conversations with your kids gives Uh, like opens up in your relationship. That's the sort of freedom that it opens up in your relationship it gives your kids a, a safe place to talk to someone, but then it also gives you the ability to speak God's truth into their lives.
0: So I feel like lately a lot of people are talking about the gospel, gospel parenting, gospel influences this and that. And someone listening may be like, what are you talking about? What does that mean? The gospel, a gospel conversation and applying to a school situation, how would you, I think sometimes we, we use words and we don't even define them for everyone. So would you take a second just in case that's a concept that is even new to to someone listening?
1: Yeah, actually, I get that question a lot. What does it mean to have a gospel conversation? Essentially what I mean when I'm saying that, um, when I say gospel conversation, first of all, The gospel is good news. That's literally what the word gospel means. It means this good news that's supposed to be spoken from one person's mouth. Martin Luther used to say the gospel comes to us from the lips of one person to our ears. Mm. So it's something that we speak. So when you have a gospel conversation, you're actually telling somebody good news. You're telling them the good news that someone else, namely Jesus, has lived the life that they could never live, fulfilling all of the laws of God perfectly, died the death that we deserve to die, taking all of our shame and our guilt and our punishment, taking all of that on himself for us being raised on the third day by God, conquering sin, the power of sin, death, and the devil. And then here's the the beautiful part where it really starts to hone in on where our kids are at. And then Jesus gives us his righteousness. It's almost like uh, he credits it to us. And we give Jesus all of our unrighteousness. This is why the Apostle Paul could say, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So how that applies to my kid. My kid goes to school. He has a conversation with another kid at school. That kid says something mean and inappropriate to my son. My son reacts in anger, right? Uh Um, It blows up into a a big fight. My son comes home. Now I get to talk him through, not just, son, you shouldn't have gotten angry.
0: Or you shouldn't hit, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, or you shouldn't hit, or you shouldn't bite, you know, when my kid was younger, or you shouldn't go out and cuss this person out, or you shouldn't respond by spreading rumors. I can tell my son, son, listen, you're forgiven in Christ for the anger that you have, um, for the anger that you displayed When you ask for it, God promises to forgive you. God's love for you isn't any less today than it was before you got angry with this person. God loves you purely and deeply because he loves Jesus. Now, let's talk about what that means for you to then turn around when this person comes back at you with anger and to meet that anger with love. What does that look like for you? And then we can talk through all of that. Mm -hmm. You see, setting that context allows our kids to actually live in love.
0: I just want you to come and raise all the boys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not
1: sure you actually want
0: that. (laughs) Well, I just – our gut reaction sometimes when anything wrong happens to our kids or our kids behave badly is to make it stop – to Mm -hmm. get angry ourselves or embarrassed ourselves or like you said be fearful ourselves but it's transformational even to consider thinking through the gospel when our kids come to us let alone then training them to see the scenario with gospel eyes so i think even you laying out that example helps mom's listening and dad's listening to say oh there's a different way and, yeah. and I personally like anger to me is one of the primary emotions that God put in us. God gets angry. The problem is that we sin in our anger. Right. So even that, like talking through, that's an emotion. It makes sense that when he said that to you, that would make you angry. That would make me angry. Um, right. But when we then take that anger and our actions are hurtful, that's mm-hmm. where we malign and miss the mark and whatever sin is defined as in in your family, uh, so I think that I think that all of that is so so helpful and yeah. and for a dad and a son to have those conversations, I think that's what you're focusing in on in in this book. And a mom mm-hmm. listening might say, "Well, I don't have a husband, or or my son's dad is not in his life." What mm-hmm. would you say to her? What encouragement would you give her?
1: You know, first of all, I would say like. If the reason why a dad is not involved in your son's life is a painful thing, I'm I'm sorry for that. That's a very difficult thing to go through. And, um, you know, as a as a guy who's a minister of the gospel, I can tell you that is uh, my heart breaks for you in that. Um, God loves you deeply uh, in the midst of that whole struggle. Uh, The gospel comes along and says to you, uh, Mom, that you actually have this amazing role to play. And it's a different role than dad's role, right? But if you don't have a dad in your son's life, then, Mom, you get this incredible privilege to be able to begin to speak these gospel truths into your son's life. Yeah, your conversations are going to sound a little bit different than the conversations that I would have as a dad with my son. Your conversations are going to sound a little bit different. But moms, if you're struggling with like what to say, what guys struggle with, what their emotions are, um, how they see the world, then a book like this may, it may just give you a little bit of a window, a little bit of insight into where your son is at. And what the sorts of things that you may need to talk to him about. And so, yeah, like this, this can be used not just by dads. It's primarily written for dads, but it can be used by uh, grandparents. It can be used by uncles, by trusted mentors, by moms, because our kids need as many voices speaking the gospel into their lives as they can get.
0: Very helpful. Very helpful. And what would you say is probably the biggest hurdle or blind spots for dads who who may be interested, but like you had said earlier, just don't know how to start? Like I know for my mm. husband, it's super comfortable for him to talk to my boys about music and sports and business, but the spiritual conversations are a lot harder for him to navigate and initiate. So what would you say for any guy that's listening or even for us moms to understand are those hurdles?
1: Yeah. I think there are a few. One that comes right to mind is fear. I mean, this was the big one for me. I was afraid that I didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. um, And so I needed to like have a little bit of humbling happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I was afraid of my own past. Yeah. And what that said about me, I was afraid of the realities that the sins that I had committed in my past And I felt kind of like a, like a hypocrite talking about this sort of stuff with my son. Mm. I was also afraid that I was going to screw my son up. (laughs) You know, uh, for me, I only have one, right? I Mm. only have one son. This is my one chance. Mm. And I put so much pressure on myself uh, for that. And yet the gospel comes along and relieves the pressure, right? The gospel comes along and says, Joel, like God loves you. God's in control. God's got your son. Um, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be there and be engaged and plugging in. That's kind of leads into the second big one that I think. Um, and that's complacency. I mean, that's this thing with dads that we go through where we've worked a long day. We come home. We try to plug in with our kids. And yet we're exhausted. Um, many of us, uh, many of us are disengaged. Uh, when we come home, because we don't feel like parenting is our primary calling. And so we get complacent, right? We just think, oh, our kid will find out like when it's important, he'll come talk to me. Well, no, dads, that's not true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not true. Number one, your primary calling, yes, is to be a Christian. It's your relationship with God. But then secondarily, it's your relationship with your wife and your relationship with your kids and then it's your relationship to the church. And then after that, it's all the rest of your life, right? It's mm-hmm. all of your your net relationship with Netflix. <laughs> it's your relationship with your work.
0: And zombies. It's your
1: relationship with zombies. <laughs> it's your relationship with video games. Yeah. All of that stuff falls out after God and your family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're called to be dads. That's what we're called to be. So when we get home from the day and we're exhausted, it doesn't mean you can just check out, right? Um, It means that on your drive home, you're resting your mind, you're relaxing. Maybe you're listening to some music that you like. When you pull into the driveway, you're stopping and you're resting for five to 10 minutes. And you're thinking, you're being thoughtful about your interaction with your spouse, with your children, you're praying about it. And then you walk in and you are present. You're present. You're a human in in this sense, you're a human being. Because you're being with your family. You're not a human doing. You're a human being with your family. And you're present and plugged in. Loving them, guiding them, talking to them.
0: Mm. Okay, it sounds good. I think I think we've convinced everyone. No, I'm just <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe not.
0: Uh so I think Another motivator to put intentionality into this is if we don't, there is constantly a voice from the world giving a narrative to our boys about what it means to be human, what it means to have a gender, what it means to be a man, and Mm -hmm. even confusing commercials and we're trying to sort through all of this sitcoms and, and the word toxic masculinity gets thrown out, which I had to Google today. Like, what does that Mm -hmm. even mean? What is toxic masculinity? We say it, but what does it mean? And so, you know, how have you, as, as you've been writing this book kind of worked through these definitions of masculinity and preparing yourself to talk to your son and to teach others to do that?
1: I think the interesting thing about masculinity, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about like biblical manhood. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of talk in the culture about what it means to be masculine, you know? Um, and we see it in so many different forms, right? From the culture, we see the guy who is like the big, muscly, angry, you know, uses his power to dominate other people sort of guy. We also see the guy who's like the total like nerd. Super smart, you know, that guy. A lot of times in Disney movies, like, the dad is portrayed. I'm thinking of, like, the king from Aladdin or the dad from Brave, right? Like, these dads, they're kind of bumbling goofballs, which is why I probably uh, relate to those dads so well. Um, Mm. But they're, like, portrayed as guys who are completely disconnected, who are more into just drinking beers and, like, you know, dominating people. And then we get, like, this kind of conception of biblical masculinity or biblical manhood, which, you know, to a certain extent is true. You know, there are pictures of manhood throughout the Bible. But the interesting thing about masculinity is it's actually really hard, I think, to define. You see, the reality is the most masculine male that we have a picture of is Jesus, (laughs) When we look at him, we see the the picture of masculinity completely embodied. And when we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see someone who's gentle, who's kind, who cares for the broken, who cares for the brokenhearted, who seeks after the outcast, who loves to bring children in. Um, We see this person who sacrifices himself so that other people can live. You see, the reality is, is what we see in Jesus is we see an embodiment of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's how the gospel begins to change our conversations with our kids about what masculinity is. Mm -hmm. It's no longer, you know, look to Aragorn for Mm -hmm. what masculinity is. It's no longer look to the WWF guy or WWE guy, I guess now that shows how old I am. I don't Um, don't even know. that's a World Wrestling Federation. That was like back in the nineteen eighties. Uh <laughs> Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's no longer look at those guys or look at the MMA guys or look at the guys who are really intelligent or really rich or have a lot of women or, you know, have a lot of cars. Like, no, take your eyes off of all of these things and start to put them on the one who is truly a picture of masculinity who also let's just be honest loved and cared for those people who were other than himself
0: yes the Um, outsider yeah
1: Mm -hmm. the outsider which frankly was all of humanity right right. while we were enemies with god jesus came and he identified as one of us so that we might be invited in as heirs and co-heirs with Christ. You see, that's masculinity. Mm. Masculinity looks for those sorts of situations and plugs itself in, not for its own glory, but so that other people can
0: live. I think of him washing dirty man toes. Yeah. Uh, The servant leader. I mean, I went to a Christian college and that was the message we were given, even given a towel at graduation that, just like Jesus we serve to lead and it's strength mm-hmm. that actually lays oneself down it's it's not that Jesus was this weak pushover kind of guy. He gave his life he had full power to get himself off yeah. that cross. He had yeah. full power to put himself as head of the temple, but he chose uh, and he was he was you know teaching and anyway I think that having your child if they're in a place where they're trying to figure out, manhood to read through a gospel and write down different characteristics they see of Jesus, I think that's an excellent idea. I love that. Yeah. Not just for sons, though, Yeah, but for our daughters as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if
1: we believe that Jesus' imputed righteousness works for all of us and that, you know, Hebrews 4, like, he knows what it is to be us. He was tempted in every way, just like we are. That's not just talking to men. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's talking to men and women. Yeah. You see, like, that's that's the reality of the gospel is the gospel is the only power in the universe that can invade every space mm-hmm. and be applicable and have power to change.
0: Ooh, is it just me? or Whenever someone spells out the gospel that clearly, I just, I want it on repeat. I want it playing over and over in my mind as I'm going throughout my day. So helpful and so grateful for Joel. Uh, before we head into the next part of our conversation, we're going to talk about boys and aggression, and Joel's going to share some hard parts of his story. I wanted to talk to you about another one of this month's sponsors. They help make this show possible. It's Fab Fit Fun. And what are they? Well, It's a seasonal subscription box. That means every season they put out a new box. Right now they have the summer box. And in it are full size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. Now it retails for $49.99, but everything in the box, if you added it all up, has a value of over $200. And even more savings, if you use the coupon code DMA 10, DMA 10. You get $10 off your first box over at fabfitfun.com. Dads, if you are still listening, put a little pen in this because it's such a great gift idea. As a mom who rarely, I, I just, if I go to Target or Walmart or wherever, I'm not thinking about getting myself some really expensive beauty products, but I After getting this FabFitFun box, I feel really pampered. I'm not going to lie. Like if I reach over and there's some fancy um, moisturizer that I wouldn't normally get, I feel really special. And when I feel special, I'm going to be nicer to everybody in the house. I'm just saying. If you want to check it out, go to FabFitFun.com and use that code DMA10, DMA10 to get $10 off. All right, let's get back to my chat with Joel. Here we go. So... (laughs) Um, I think that you've you've answered some of the questions I was thinking of asking, but I think one that we could talk through is what advice would you give to a dad who is seeing a son show signs of aggression and violence and you're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to enter into that? I think for my own boys, I see that kind of happen between 11, 12. I mean, as the testosterone is coming in, they... Even boys that weren't necessarily aggressive before, I see just a natural aggression that kind of rises up. But um, maybe this is for question more of a violence that's beyond the typical developmental stage.
1: Yeah. So first of all, I would say, I mean, uh, dads, it's your job to protect. That's part of one, one of your roles as a father. And so you're there to protect your son. You're there to protect your family. You're there to protect the people around you. If it's just like a normal, like a kid who's just in his normal development, I would say just giving that kid a safe space, um, a safe space where the two of you can talk really deeply about anger. Um, this is one that's close to my heart because I'm Irish and I (laughs) tend to, I tend to get angry. Mm -hmm. Um, but dad's like, we need to be very, very careful to not meet anger with anger. Mm. A lot of times, as dads, and I think even moms do this as well, when their kids uh, struggle with sin, they come at them with emotions that are uh, that could be more characterized as anger and, intensity. and frustration and intensity, yeah. as opposed to like the picture that we see of God the Father in the pro- in the parable of the prodigal son, where he's sitting there like longingly, lovingly waiting for his son who wished he was dead to come back so that he could run out and hug him and like throw a party for him. You know, we need to be very careful with our emotions when our kids come and they confess their sins to us, which is a shocking thing. I'm not going to lie. Um that is very very difficult. So when your son comes to you and he's been angry, you need to be careful not to respond in anger but to respond with love, and with kindness, and with using your strength to provide a place of safety. Now, if your son's anger is something more than just like uh, the normal developmental thing, meaning uh, your son is bullying kids in school, um, your son is getting into fights all the time, and he's the one who's instigating them, uh, your son is cutting himself, uh, your son has threatened suicide. Um, your son has responded by punching you or your wife, and like acted out violently in that way. And let me let me caveat that, and that's a pattern for right. your son. Right. Not just that it happens once, but that it's a pattern. Okay. Then I would say, dads, um, you should, you could consider taking your son. To a trusted counselor, um, whether that is a, a therapist who you know locally or a, a Christian therapist or a Christian counselor, someone who can help your son process those emotions in a way that's healthy so that your your son is not acting out either in violence against themselves, like I said, by cutting um, or by developing an eating disorder, which, yes, boys do that. Or by outletting that anger in a different way, like looking at pornography. I mean, that's a weird connection, but it does happen. Or using their ability to dominate other kids. You need to take them to find help, dads. And you need to be willing to go with them and sit with them and be there with them. Dad, you are are the primary conduit of God's grace in your children's lives. That's your role. So you're supposed to be like the dad and the parable of the prodigal son. That's like a picture of dadding, you know, of dad life being that conduit who moves into your son's space and just loves them with like a, like a pit bull style love, right? Who just kind of grabs on and doesn't let go, loves them all the way through and helps them grow so that they know that they're always safe around you. That is the way I think um, that you help your son work through this with a counselor, with someone who will be there to to help them.
0: To clarify for the moms of young kids, the dads of young kids, this is not the typical developmental behavior where the kids right. hit moms. That's a stage they go through. You emphasize we use hands for helping, not for hitting. We use teeth for chewing, not for biting. All Mm -hmm. of my boys went through some sort of, especially between two and four. And so you don't need to go see a counselor if your child's doing that at those ages. We're talking later. And your teacher would let you know.
1: I think a lot of us take on, at least me as a dad, I take on the role of the Holy Spirit in Mm -hmm. thinking that I can change my child. And thinking that I can make my child's heart new. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And that gives me freedom then to just be present and love my child. And when my child, back when my son was hitting and biting, when he was trying to do that to me and my wife, it just meant me giving him a bit of a bear hug, you know? Yeah. And like just telling him, I love you so much, son, as he's, you know, wigging out and just saying, like, I love you. You're not going to hit. You're not going to bite, son. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect the family right now in a calm, soothing voice, not one that's like, ah, Um, and then I went out for a little bit of a walk, right? Um, Because that's good for me to calm down too, so that I can talk to him in a calm way. We need to stop thinking about our kids in snapshots Mm. and start thinking about them in timelines, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, talk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Like I think as young parents and like I'm going through this even right now with my kids. Right. I can look at any one moment in time and uh, see the sin that my kid has committed. And I can think that that is the character of their wife.
0: We project out like forever and then we see them in prison and all the things.
1: Right. Or we see our daughters in really terrible places. Um, Mm -hmm. We project on our sons that they're going to become like these like incredibly violent people. When in reality, like God's work of sanctification in our kids' lives, the process of growing them into the image of Christ is a process. It's not something that just happens instantaneously. Right. So, parents, look at your own lives, right? Remember who you were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Remember how different you see the world now. Recognize that. And then start to look at your kids and say, yeah, my kid may right now, as he's six, he may be someone who bites and punches. He may be someone who is lazy I used to be lazy, I used to bite and punch, I don't do it now, and so let me look also at the good things in my child and see the ways developmentally that they're growing, see the ways that they're growing to love Jesus, Um, and let me start to emphasize looking on those things so that I see their lives as a progression, not just a snapshot in time.
0: It's really helpful. I think that's very good. And I think that you covered in a lot of that, this talking through how to express emotions and process emotions, because I think that your constant love and grace shows them it's okay to feel the things you're feeling. I can handle it. Mm -hmm. Just like Mm -hmm. God tells us, it's okay to feel the things you're feeling. I can handle it. We don't have to stuff it because if we stuff it, then eventually there'll be an explosion. What other tools have you found to help for fathers to help sons express and process their emotions?
1: I think it's hard for dads to help their sons process through emotions because dads haven't processed through it themselves. Mm. Um, Dads, if you haven't learned the skills of processing through your emotions, there's a ton of like helpful resources out there to give you guidance on that. One book that comes immediately to mind is a, a guy named Pete Scazzaro. Um, and he wrote a book, The Emotionally Healthy uh, Relationship, uh, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. It's been one that's really helped me process through my emotions. Then as I look at my own emotions, I'm not going to be surprised by my son's emotions. Yeah. I'm going to start to, as I as I allow the gospel to infiltrate my heart, I'm going to start looking at my son and saying like, I can understand where you're at with your anger because I struggle with anger myself. And here are some examples of that, right? And mm-hmm. I give him vague generalities. I don't tell him specifics, right? Mm-hmm. But I give him vague generalities. Or son, I understand you're struggling with depression right now. That's something that I struggle with. Here are vague generalities, right? Here's how I how I've done that. Now, let's begin to talk through what Jesus says about you. Let's begin to talk through what Jesus says about the world. Let's talk through the reality that Jesus had emotions. Jesus showed emotions. I, I can't picture Jesus at the wedding feast at Cana, right? Um, his very first miracle, creating like gallons upon gallons of wine, and not having like the emotions of happiness and joy and satisfaction. Like, I can't imagine that. I can't also imagine Jesus flipping over like the tables for the money lenders in the temple and not experiencing righteous, right? That's how it's different. Yeah, from
0: It's different than us. Yeah, Not
1: experiencing a righteous emotional reaction. Anger at seeing his father's house being desecrated not in an unhealthy, sinful way, but in a righteous way, we can tell them Jesus knows what it is to be like you. He gets what it is. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. What are those two things, sorrows and grief? They're emotions. We can say to him, buddy, Jesus knows this And right now, even as you and I are talking, if you believe in Jesus, he is praying for you, and he accepts you, and he loves you, and his spirit is at work inside of you to change you. And then we start the hard work of beginning to help our sons think about healthy ways to express their emotions healthy avenues to take uh, emotions like depression or frustration or anger or sadness over not being perfect, over being a failure. They're emotions of love and joy and excitedness and all. And, and we can help them say like, okay, but like God doesn't want you to squash these emotions. God wants you to live them out in a way that shows his love to the people around you and shows your love for him. Mm. That's, I think, such a vital conversation to have with your sons um, because it really allows them to be free. It makes them to not have, feel like they have to be a robot.
0: No, I think it's giving space for that expression. Uh, our small group and everyone listening has, who's listened a lot has heard me talk about how we went through a 12 step program and we've been going through a process group. And the first step is to, to say your emotion and what you're feeling. And I know that it's been helpful for my husband to have more than just one word, you know, only positive emotions he felt like were allowed. So passion to him was this intense and joyful emotion. And he's Mm -hmm. been exploring, you know, when, when he starts to feel like stomach pain well, I'm feeling fear, I didn't realize I was feeling fear, but yeah. this chart that tells me when my stomach hurts, it's fear. Right. Or I'm, I'm really sad here and, and allowing himself to be sad. Some quote unquote emotions that we put in the negative basket and right. and to kind of realize they're all emotions. And then when when he's comfortable with feeling them and labeling them and expressing mm-hmm. them, he is more comfortable, like you pointed out, with our sons expressing them instead of it just being like a stop it which I think is right. often our response, like your emotions are bothering me, you know, Right. It's, I, I'm not right. comfortable with your emotions. So I need you to stop. So I think I think it's really powerful. A lot of this that we've shared is us coming to terms with our own understanding of the gospel us coming to understand ourselves and, and what right. uh, our definitions of masculinity are, and then to also understand, do we grasp <laughs> emotions in our own lives? And how do we Educate our kids when it comes to that. I think it's really, really helpful.
1: So, like, as a, as a, something just came to my mind as you were talking.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, We experienced, uh, uh, we had a miscarriage in Mm. our family,
0: right? I'm so sorry.
1: It would be weird if I wasn't sad about that. Yeah. Uh, Here we were, and this was in the last two years, right? Mm -hmm. Like, here we were, we thought we were done having children. Um, we're 12 years out since our last kid was in a diaper, right? right? And then all of a sudden, like, hey, praise God, here's this other this other like life. And then we had a miscarriage, right? I would be denying a part of my humanity if I wasn't sad, if I wasn't angry about that, about mm-hmm. the effect of sin in this world. The death had been brought about. It would be odd if I didn't experience some form of uh, sadness as I watched my wife grieve. I would be denying who God has created me to be. Now, that doesn't mean, dads, that you need to experience emotions in the same way that I do. But unless I spent the time thoughtfully, prayerfully, quietly working through those things with God being with God and allowing like his his healing balm to wash over my life, to fill in all of the areas where there's pain and hurt, then I would be shorting myself and I would be teaching my son that men don't experience emotions, that men don't cry, that men don't whatever it is, and that's so unhealthy. If I wasn't aware of his emotions, I would not be able to say now that he still grieves a year and a half later. I would not be able to help him deal with his grief. And so dad's like, that's one of these things where you have to be plugged in to your son's life. Um, You gotta just be aware in my house, we call it the spidey senses, like Spider-Man, you know, like yeah. his hair on his hands and arms would stand up. It's like you got to have like a spidey sense around you, about you, so you can you can look into their lives and say, hey, are you struggling today with something? Can I pray with you? Can we talk about this? And then give them the space to respond with either yes or no.
0: That's good. That's really good. Okay. Before we end, lightning round. Yeah. If someone has more than one son, how do they have these one on one conversations?
1: Yeah. Um, be intentional. Be intentional to do things that each of your kids enjoys doing. So if you have two sons and one likes fishing and the other likes uh, airsofting, go fishing with one and talk to him. Go airsofting with the other and talk to him.
0: I don't know what airsofting is, but it sounds amazing.
1: Uh, It's like paintball, but with plastic BBs.
0: Oh, okay. So it's intentional time. It's not like you're waiting for a moment to just show up. Those happen, too, in the car rides and, you know, going about your life. On
1: the on the drives, sometimes it is intentional. Sometimes you, God's laid something on your heart, Dad, And you're like, son, we're going to go out to dinner tonight and it's just going to be the two of us. Or you see both of your sons struggling with the same thing at the same time. And you're like, sons, we're going to go out to dinner, just the three or four of us or five of us or however many. And we're going to talk about this. And then after that, you follow up with each one individually so that you can recognize them as their own individual human being.
0: In the book, you also talk about women, right? Mm -hmm. So we didn't even get into that today, Mm -hmm. but I wanted people to know that there's a whole bunch of conversation to be had about training our sons on how to treat women. Do you have like a quick synopsis on how the gospel applies to that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I have an old uh, pastor who used to say this, when the gospel changes the way that you see the opposite sex you start seeing them not as objects for your own use with the end of self-gratification, but as subjects of service and love. Mm. And that is, that is a total, it's a fundamental mind shift. Yeah. If I look at a woman and all that I see is something that I can get out of her, then I'm looking at her as an object. Mm. If I look at a woman and I, and I see her, And I say, this is a woman who has been, who is a child of the king, a woman who is a child of God, or just a woman who's been created in the image of God. The gospel comes to me and it reminds me, what did Jesus do with women? Jesus loved them. Jesus invited them in. Jesus served them and cared for them. You see, none of those things have to do with sex. <laughs> I think mean, just plainly, none of those things have to do with using someone for your own ends or your own gains. And dads, trust me, sons see how you look at women. Mm-hmm. They do. And they're paying attention. So like um, the other day, I was at Circle K, which is like a lo- local convenience store for us
0: also in bill and ted's excellent adventure continue yes.
1: continue foot at the circle K. yes
0: strange things <laughs> go ahead <laughs> um,
1: and there was sports illustrated up there on the counter
0: mm. um a sports illustrated swimsuit
1: edition right and like look every guy in that store notices that there's a reason why they have it on the counter it's because there's a beautiful woman there who is dressed in a swimsuit right that is one of those moments where I'm just there getting a Diet Coke for myself and a slushy for my son. That's one of those moments that now as I notice him noticing the swimsuit edition and I'm watching him as he looks and then looks down in a way, you know, because he doesn't want to gawk at it, that he and I can start to talk about what that magazine picture is portraying about women and what the reality about how God sees women and how we should see women uh, is. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, we need more time, Joel. We just need more time. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I talked too much.
0: No, everything was fabulous. I want to learn more from you. I have so many things and y'all need to check out all of Joel's books. But then um, this one, Between Us Guys, I'll put a link in the show notes. Life-changing conversations for dads and sons is available you can check it out i think it'd be a good gift for father's day y'all i will most likely have already shared it on my social media before this episode comes out but amazon prime maybe you get a great gift but thank you joel where could they find you online if they want to keep following what you're doing
1: yeah so i'm on facebook you can just look me up joel fitzpatrick predominantly i post uh pictures about like movies i'm watching and zombies (laughs) And random things, but periodically there's something spiritual on there. No, um, you can find me uh, at Joel D is in David. That's my middle name, Joel D Fitz on Twitter as well as on Instagram. You can follow me on any of those. I also have a website, uh, Joel Fitzpatrick dot um, There was a there's an artist who has joelfitzpatrick.com, dot com. So bummer, uh, Joel Fitzpatrick dot co. There you can find. <laughs> Links to sermons I've preached, links to articles I've written, as well as links to my books and any upcoming events that I have.
0: You're on the podcast with your mom and sister, right?
1: I am. It is madness. Um, so we have a we have a podcast called Front Porch with the 50s, fitzies f i t z i e s. So you can find us on all the socials too. Um, you can find us on. Uh, Twitter, as well as on Facebook, but check out the podcast. We ask you to give us three listens uh, before you (laughs) make a decision one way (laughs) or the other.
0: It's like visiting a church. You got to go at least three times before you decide.
1: Yes, it's totally true. It is crazy. So like the first 40 minutes of it or 30 minutes of it is just banter among us. Uh, We talk about random stuff. And it's really funny. Um, it's kind of like the Seinfeld of podcasts. Nice. Um, and nice. then we give a recommendation of books we're reading or Netflix shows we're watching or music we're listening to, podcasts we're listening to. And then it closes out with a short devotional to kind of set our minds right. Because quite frankly, we're Christians and we have to, you know, bring the Bible into everything. Um, so, uh, you yeah. know.
0: Bring it around. And I've probably already said it in the intro, but Joel's mom, Elise, has been on the show. If you want to check out her episode, I'll link to that in the show notes, too. Thank you, Joel, for being on the show today. We really appreciate the work that you're doing and just preaching the gospel wherever you go.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. And uh, yeah, I look forward to interacting with people on the the socials.
0: Thanks, y'all. Thanks, dads, for joining us. If you are inspired and you want to know more about having conversations with our kids, another great resource is Vicki Courtney's books. I did an episode with her just a few uh, episodes back. 239 is that one. We linked in the show notes to that show. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're inspired. I'm going to pray over us. Dear Lord, I uh, want to pray against fear. I want to pray against complacency. I want to pray that you would embolden us to be intentional, to make time, To chat with our kids about the gospel. I pray that you would do the work in our own hearts and our own emotions when um, our kids sin and we're faced with it, that we don't take it as a personal reflection of our parenting, but as the reality of their souls that we are all sinners in need of a savior. And I pray that we would respond in the way you did to our sin, that we would enter in with love and point them to truth. I pray that you would help us work through our own hard emotions so we can guide our boys. I pray that we can study Jesus' life and how he loved the outsider, how he cared for people, how he bravely went to a cross for others. And it's all about his service to others. I pray for moms listening who um, are doing this uh, without a spouse, and I pray that you would comfort them. Especially with Father's Day coming up, whatever complication there is in their story, I pray that you would just bring a man into her life, not maybe relationally, but for her kids, um, some uh, father figure, whether it's a grandparent or an uncle or some someone who could fill in that role that she's grieving the loss of. I pray that you would be her strength in this time and that she would find other women to connect with who have similar uh, struggles and grief. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of walking alongside you. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, y'all got choked up in that prayer. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for following along. We are working on that summer of mentorship. If you don't know what it is, it's basically in July and August. I take a little time off from new interviews. And so we do a special thing, six weeks of republished episodes from past mentors. And we give you all discussion questions. So if you want to meet with friends once a week or as often as you can, we give you the discussion questions so that you can keep listening, following along, have newish content, and stay uh, inspired and encouraged throughout the summer. All right. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And I'm praying for all y'all on Father's Day, just like Mother's Day can bring up a lot. I know for me, it can bring a lot of emotions. I think that's where the tears came from. Anyway, um I'm thankful for this community. I'm thankful that you guys trust me with your time. And I hope you have a wonderful wonderful week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to dontmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's super power. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors,